Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkamine, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Welcome to Business Matters, presented by Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capallo. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Now Media Group. Today, we welcome Colin Sawatsky. Did I say that right? I was going to ask you. Sawatsky, that close? Perfect. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> to Business Matters. Uh, Colin is the president and owner at Stratagen 3D, a 3D printing and manufacturing company. Um, you know, I think at some level, we're all intrigued and fascinated by technology and, and even more so when I was doing some research of just the day to day, how it, it can help our day to day lives and, and 3D, 3D printing is something that I've always been interested in. So I'm super excited to talk to you today. And I'm sure there's lots to unpack. So, so let's get started. Sure. That's great. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. Thanks, uh, Colin. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask is I was doing some research. The word that came up a lot is additive manufacturing. And I hadn't heard that word before. So can you tell us what that means? Additive manufacturing is, is uh, sort of an industry catch-all word for, for any technology that basically adds material layer by layer. So uh, that encompasses basically all of the different types of, of technology. Um, but for, for lay people or just regular people, 3D printing is fine. So it's just so additive, additive manufacturing and 3D printing is one and the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm curious, I'm always curious what type of material you can use when you're doing 3D printing. And we'll jump, I, we're going to probably jump all over the place, but sure. the yeah. thing that comes to mind to me is like, what sort of material do, do you use and can you use when you're doing 3D printing? So, you know, the way that um, the industry has evolved Obviously, the, the most popular materials are the ones that get adopted first because they're the most in demand in industry. So um, the primary material that I use is called PA12 nylon. So it's, it's a, um, a good all around uh, plastic um, for, you know, everything from consumer goods to industrial machinery to uh, mold making and, and it has a lot of different applications. Um, also there's, there are many offshoots, right? There's, there's an increasing number of different materials because it, it's such a dynamic, uh, sector to be in. Um, my technology primarily is, is Hewlett Packard technology. Yeah. Um, and they have an, an open source agreement with all sorts of different material manufacturers, BASF and, and, um, you know, there's a few other small players. So they're developing new technologies and new materials all the time. Um, we are now printing in metal as well. Uh, that's sort of our Toronto office. So there again, primarily we're, we're driving the stainless steel uh, printing and, you know, with that machine, because that's by far the most uh, popular and, and in-demand material. Um, one of the most exciting things is, is a company that we work with called Mark Forged. And they have uh, a series of different types of plastics, but uh, what they have is 
um, a, a fiberglass or carbon or Kevlar that is within um, the uh, the plastic that gets printed. So it's it's all carbon fiber or or, or graphite uh, fiber reinforced printing. So um, it's very strong and very light, and it's got a lot of different applications. So what good segue? I was going to ask is. What are some of the main applications? I mean, I saw on the site, there's parts of prototyping and tooling and molds and medical and on and on and on, but what, yeah. what do you specifically focus on? Is there an area that you focus on more than others? So, um, you know, I come from engineering software. That's, that's been my, my main industry. Um, and I, I owned a, um, a machine shop in Langley for a number of years. So, you know, my first instinct and my, my first, um, uh, priority is um, doing custom manufacturing for, um, you know, machinery um, manufacturers, uh, you know, in Western Canada. Um, but, you know, as it happens, there's, there's always opportunities that, that come up in every different sector. So, you know, I, I concentrate on industrial printing for um, oil and gas, mining, high tech, um, and, and just any, any type of machinery application. Um, the applications for the Hewlett Packard printer that I have, uh, which is the largest printer in Western Canada, it's, it's um, a real beast. It's uh, a very high capacity printer. We can, you know, we have no, no problem keeping up with smaller injection molding companies, you know, in, in terms of capacity and pricing. Um, but, um, so yeah, that's, that's my primary technology and it's, it's got applications in sort of one of the, the hallmark applications is in orthotics, right? There's because um, the way that a part behaves is based on the thickness of material. So um, that lends itself to, to custom orthotics very, very well. So, you, you know, if, if the, thickness of the insole is a bit thicker. It's very, very rigid. And as you get thinner, you get some flex. So, um, you know, anything in, in the orthotic embrace industry is, is a very good application. Um, so do you need different pieces of equipment based on the material you're printing or the product? So if it's metal or if it's plastic or, or does one, does one piece of equipment do it all sort of thing? No, it's, it's all very different technology and, and every type of, of printing company and, and uh, you know, different type of printer has their own type of material. Uh, lots of different printers um, offer different types of materials. Um, but for instance, my, my HP machine, it uses that one type of powder. If I want to change to a different material, um, you know, it's about a one day process and you know everything has to be cleaned and, and reset so you know that's why we um settle on you know the most in-demand material and, and basically run with that lots of different other types of technologies yeah you can you can sub out different types of materials um part after part and it's it's very straightforward and metal is a completely different animal altogether the the parts um are printed but um, after that, they have to get washed and then they get uh, sintered or, or heated um, in a very specific way to, to bring them into the, the right shape and to strengthen them the, the way that the customer needs. So you mentioned orthotics, like when you're printing um, 
something like orthotics, like how long do they last? Like, is it something that lasts forever? Like, is it as, as compared to buying off the shelf for lack of a better word? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the durability is, is outstanding. They, um, you know, they, they flex well, they wear well, um, you know, any orthotics that do get printed are, are modified in the shop, in the orthotic shop, you know, with, with some kind of foam or, or whatever. Uh, but it's, it's the, the base of the orthotic that, that we would make. Right. Um, so certainly it lasts as long or longer than, than any other material out there. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very resilient. In how long, you know, I think when we were talking before we, we came on here is that I was always fascinated when, it, you know, when 3D printing first came out and it was more of like, I felt like a lot of hobbyists, I guess, doing yeah. right education. But I heard, I've never been involved, but it took forever to print something when it first, like when way back when, how quickly, like, how, how, like I know every product's different, I get it, but a typical raw orthotics, so let's keep on that topic is, sure. Hey, when you hit go, how long does it take for a product to, to be completed? Uh, so the way that, that we print, it's, it's called powder bed technology. So okay. um, we have a build envelope that's um, 13 inches by 13 inches by 15 inches. Okay. Um, so if we print an entire build, that is about 11 hours of work. And then it takes about 11 hours to cool that print as well, because there's a lot of thermal energy built up in that print. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's just a matter of taking them out of the powder, cleaning them off, and and it's done. So, you know, in in an emergency situation, sure, we can we can turn something around in twenty four hours, and and that's really one of the biggest advantages of three D printing is is the turnaround time, and and we can turn on a dime from printing orthotics in the morning, and then running a a print at night of you know industrial components for somebody else, and there's there's no tooling, there's no setup, there's we just bring the 3D files into the computer and send it to the printer. And, you know, we can, we can print a, a wide variety of, of items within a print or across prints. And, and really that's at this point with the technology we have, um, there's a term called mass customization. And that's really where, you know, uh, where in orthotics, that's what's applied. Like every single orthotic is unique. Everything right. is different. Um, but we can still produce at scale at competitive prices. So there's a term you might've heard if you're doing some research in 3D printing, it's called mass customization. So, you know, we can produce at scale, but every item is, is unique and different to each customer or, or each application. Interesting. And yeah. when it comes to, when I was looking at some of the products, especially I'm more of the traditional manufacturing, like parts and so forth is, are you seeing a big shift and maybe it's already happening where using this sort of technology we're talking about today with we'll call it additive manufacturing is it replacing traditional methods of manufacturing is that happening already are you are you here and seeing that well it's it's never going to replace traditional manufacturing um but there are many cases for you know a, a hybrid system or or where it's complementary so um, you know, there's, there's lots of manufacturing plants out there that use end of arm tooling on robots, um, or just even in traditional machine shops and, and milling shops where they have specialized tooling for every job. It takes a lot of time and energy and setup and programming to produce custom tooling, especially if you're, if you're producing many different types of parts. Right. So, you know, we can produce tooling for, for those types of applications. Um, 
and there there are applications where you know, especially with with metal printing, where you can three D print a part uh, much much cheaper, especially in very very um, what you would call um, like tool steel or something that's very hard, right. that's very difficult to machine traditionally. So we can print a part um, that's very complex and, and complicated. And then, you know, uh, a machine shop can take that if, if there's a surface that needs to be cleaned up or, or um, anything else that needs to be done to, to the part, but it's much faster, much cheaper than, than doing it traditionally. So it will fill many roles because, you know, we can displace, injection molding uh, in many applications, which is a which is a big deal because you know you don't have to go to China or you don't have to pay 10, right. 20 or fifty thousand dollars for a mold to see if your product works. Um, so we can do prototyping, but then because of the technology we have, we can also print 10, 20, 30 thousand parts right. um, at a competitive price because you're not paying for the tooling and, and the turnaround time is very fast. Interesting. So we, we kind of skipped over your company. So um, Strategy 3D, uh, how did it start? Like, how, how did this all come together? Well, so I, as I mentioned, I used to work at an engineering software company in Toronto. I was there. I was uh, the first employee, actually, and helped that company grow. Um, they're now the largest reseller, uh, reselling partner of Siemens automation software. So that's a large uh, engineering and data management arm of Siemens uh, Industrial Group. And um, so I worked there from 2001 until 2009 um, and developed very good friendships there. And, and, um, and then after moving here to Kelowna, um, after some time, well, now it's just a couple of years ago, or I guess three years ago, I just went back for a visit. I hadn't been back to Toronto for a very long time and um, started talking with my buddies there and they were telling me about their their new business. They were, they were selling Hewlett Packard 3D printers and, and getting into the additive manufacturing industry. So, um, you know, one thing led to another and just based on, um, you know, a couple of beers at the pub, then uh, we decided to get kind of get into business together, but I, I bought a printer from them and, and it's a space that I'm very comfortable with. You know, I, I love making things. I grew up on a farm and okay. so sort of making or producing things is sort of in my blood. And, and um, so it matched with my background and the technology and the economics are very compelling. So it, it was a business that uh, really excited me. And so I think nine months after that visit to Toronto, I, I, bought the printer and had it set up and and took off yeah and do you work are most of your clients i'll say local or domestic or do you are you are you shipping stuff all over the world like what, what, um yeah, i mean it's mostly north america um most of the calls i get locally are sort of for onesie twosie kinds of, right. of things more, you know more the, the stuff that you would expect a hobbyist would would produce um but I'm just hiring a salesperson in the lower mainland in Vancouver that, uh, that I know um, that's very well connected in the manufacturing world there. Um, you know, I have some clients down in, in California and, and in different parts of the US, but uh, yeah, it's, it's mainly Canada. I, I have done a lot of work for, for companies out uh, actually in Toronto and Quebec. And, and um, I mean, that's sort of the industrial powerhouse of the country, but you know, I, 
I'm more familiar with the Vancouver market. So that's really where, where I want to concentrate. And um, is there a lot of competitors in this industry? Like I, I think that it might be, and maybe I'm wrong from, from an outsider saying it's a little barrier to entry. Do I just, I just buy a machine or set it up and off I go? Or am I making it way more simplistic than it really is? Well, I mean, at that level, there is low barriers to entry. Um, but behind, I mean, anybody can press a button on a printer. That's, that's not a really complicated situation. Uh, but there's a lot of technical skill that comes with that um, in terms of optimizing your printer and uh, the design work. You know, often there's a lot of reverse engineering that needs to be done with, with different parts. We don't always have, you know, a 3D file that we import and, and press the button. So, you know, that's, that's where we've got a, where I've got a great advantage with, uh, you know, a large engineering team in, in Toronto that I work with, um, as well as access to a, a wide variety of technologies as well. So, yeah, there's, there's always competitors coming into the market. Um, but the reason I went with the technology that I did go with, with the Hewlett Packard printer is because it's. I forget what the marketing material says, but it's, you know, it's, it's uh, five times as fast and, and twice as, as cheap basically. So, um, and it's, this industry is always going to be driven by the latest technology. So whatever comes out that can produce parts um, that are of good quality, produce them quickly and at scale at a reasonable price, that's, that's always going to be the leading edge of the industry. So, at this point and for the foreseeable future, you know, I'm, I'm on that cutting edge, but we'll just, we'll just adapt technology as, as uh, you know, demand is there and as the technology improves constantly as it always does. Right. Do you, um, I mean, you have a background that sounds like that was, was transferable to what you're doing, but was there, did you have to get training? Is there like, do you go take courses to learn how to use it? Does the printing company help you? Like, how did you, because like you said, you've got to optimize the printer, understand what you can and cannot do is try. Mm -hmm. and like, that? That's, that's, there's a range of, of those types of things as well. So for some of the printing technology I have, I mean, you get it shipped to your place and plug it into the wall and, and press a button. So, you know, it's, it's a very <clears throat> easy technology, um, to get up and running and, and there's not much training and maintenance involved. Uh, the Hewlett Packard printer that I have is, you know, sort of half the price of my house. So it's, it's um, a pretty substantial barrier to entry, at least for a guy like me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that, there was uh, a, tech, a technician came up from San Diego for a week and, and one of my colleagues from Toronto came out for a week to set up and calibrate and train. And, and, you know, we went through, uh, many different uh, test prints and and uh, diagnostic prints to get everything set up properly and calibrated and and yeah there's they do supply a lot of training and and uh, there's a training program where um, I can get certified as a Hewlett Packard um, preferred supplier and I'm just about finished with that um, so you know I'll have access to to customers through HP corporate directly which uh, which will be a nice thing but um, I was almost finished that when COVID hit. So um, then we were we were busy with other stuff for for a long time. So yeah, imagine. Yeah, um, are you um, are you do you constantly have to be looking at new equipment and products? Like you mentioned, like you know, you, you start there's always new and latest and greatest technology. And is it 
is it fast changing? Like, is it in your, in the industry, have you, have you seen things adapt and change pretty quickly? Yeah, it, it does. It, it does change very quickly. Of course, there's, you know, so many manufacturers that are in this space that are, are throwing billions of dollars in, in R&D behind, you know, the, the next technology and the latest and greatest. Um, you know, I, I get a sense, at least for the space that I'm in, there's there's maybe a five to seven year life cycle. You know, I, I, I anticipate being sort of at the cutting edge with with my printers for the foreseeable future, certainly. Um and I'm only ever interested in technology that's applicable to, you know, demand for, for my customers. So, um, you know, wherever that takes me, then, then that's how I'll adapt. I, I don't need the latest and greatest if nobody's asking for it. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's so many applications. You sort of need to um, look at something that, you know, look in the sectors that you're trying to attack and then, you know, stay with the technology that's best suited for those applications. Interesting. Um, I know you said before we jumped on that you could, and I'm fascinated by to see this is showing us some of the products that you actually produce out of the machine. And you're oh, able sure. To, yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'll just, uh, just actually, I'll switch cameras here if, if Zoom lets me do that. Um, does that come up? Is that uh, looking yeah. okay? Yeah. So this is just a demo part from from Hewlett Packard, just to show the uh, the different types of of geometry that can be achieved, you know, with with a printer, um, and you know, depending on which way a, a part is is printed, um, there's there's better quality. This was printed probably this would have been face up, and you know, this part face down. The face down side is always is always better quality. Um, this was a very interesting case. This wasn't actually mine, but it, it's it's um, my colleagues in Toronto. They uh, printed the skull from uh, directly from um, a CAT scan. So there was there was a gentleman that unfortunately got into a bar brawl and broke his um, eye socket. So the the surgeons actually took this skull and fitted the titanium implant to, to this part instead of doing it live on the operating table. So that meant that they could, they could fit the implant to what they needed uh, and the patient was under the knife or, or under anesthetic uh, a much, much shorter time. So it produces a much better outcome clearly yeah. um, if you know that your, your implant is, is going to be is going to fit, you know, when the patient's on the table. So, um, one of the primary areas that I'm focusing on is, is 3d or is clear liners. Yeah. That's a, a very, um, it's, it's an ideal application for, for the technology. So we print these molds and, um, and then thermal form uh, a clear liner over top of them mm-hmm. and, and then cut them free from the molds. So, you know, what I was saying before about data management, you know, that's one of the primary things and one of the, the big technical mountains to climb is, is tracking each one of these individual parts through the process right. for every patient because each patient needs, you know, 12 to 40 of these and we need to know which one is which for, for every patient. So, um, you know, so yeah, one of the other really cool ones is is this is a 
a, um, a component for a, a search and rescue company that equips uh, typically German shepherd dogs to go into dangerous situations. So they, they'll, they will literally drop a dog on, on a, a rope down from a helicopter to go, you know, search for somebody on the mountain, on a mountainside or, or in a forest fire situation. And in here is a, um, uh, a medical or a, a mechanical component with a battery. And this is harnessed to the dog so that when they get to the person or the people that they need to help, there's a package attached here with a, a lanyard. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they see the people, because there's a, a camera mounted on here as well, then this opens up and uh, it provides, you know, life sustaining, um, you know, food and water or, or some sort of treatment or, or, or whatever. That's a, a company out of Winnipeg that uh, I've done some work with. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Product right there they have. Is that, is that, for lack of a better word, come out of the machine looking like that? Or is there multiple parts that have to be put? So this is multiple parts. Um, you know, this is one separate part. Um, and this lever is another part. This pin is another part, you know, and, and there's another part here. Uh, and then they, they also attach some metal components to this and, and, then, and then some other hardware. But, um, you know, and this is just a... Uh, a demo part that Hewlett Packard uh, gives to us to uh, a file that they give to us right. just to show that, um, Oh no, I'm having trouble opening it, <laughs> but it's, it's to show that the printer can print things all in one. This was all printed in, in one yeah. um, part or one print. So as long as there's a gap in the powder, then you can get a part within a part that that can turn uh, or that has a hinge or anything like that. So that's that's pretty cool. And and that was one of the sort of primary things for for this part, which is really um, one of the things I'm proudest about. So when COVID hit, um, Hewlett Packard led a group of ten companies to produce over six hundred thousand face shields for COVID um, emergency supply for personal protective equipment. Yep. So um, here at Stratagen, we produced over 66,000 of these headbands. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all printed in, in one piece, right. but then it um, transforms into, into a, a headband. And the, the, the face shield attaches around the front here. And, and now that's, that can be worn by by somebody keeping them safe in, in the hospital. They went to health professionals basically. So yeah, so that was a great project. That's what I was busy with for most of, uh, of last year. Yeah. yeah, I imagine. Well, that's interesting. Well, thank you for showing us because it's always good to see the, um, what it can produce, right? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. The different types of, of parts that, uh, that we get and, that we get to see it's it's always so interesting to see what our our customers want and what they need and i would say i would think that the more challenging the more fun it would be too <laughs> yeah always, absolutely and, and actually in fact the more challenging the um better it is for our bottom line obviously so yeah parts that are that are very very complex geometrically uh sorry geometrically yeah. um or parts that obviously can't be manufactured in any other way. Uh, those are parts where we, 
you know, make more money because it's yeah. the, the business case is, is more compelling. Interesting. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a side note. I mentioned we're going to, we're going to get to know you a little bit more now, Uh-oh. sort of the company. I'm going to have uh, 10 questions. Um, okay. and we're going to learn a little bit more about college. So um, what's, <laughs> what's the best way for you to start your day? How do you start your day and get going in the morning? Oh, always with a good coffee. Um, yeah, always. Uh, I like the ritual and the flavor and the aroma of, of a good latte. So yeah. that's, that's my indulgence. Coffee and uh, two eggs and toast. Yeah. And off you go. Yeah. Um, if, if money wasn't an object, how would you spend your day? Uh, racing cars. Ah. Yeah. Or golfing. So I, I, I'd golf on the way to the racetrack. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my primary motivation for the business is, uh, yeah. Do you get out a lot? Do you get out golfing a lot? Uh, I, I do okay. Yeah. Uh, last year was, was a little bit too busy. I was, I was basically tied to my printer 24 seven for five and a half months, oh, but, um, but typically, yeah, I, you know, I, I get out, I do okay. And I learn something new every year. So yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> I'm look, really looking forward to getting back out. Yeah. Um, if you found yourself at a bar one night and it was karaoke night and they, and they shoved a microphone in your hand and forced you to sing, what would you sing? What would be your song of choice? Um, probably boys of summer, something by the Eagles or, um, Tyler Perry. What is it? Uh, Don't stop believing. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm old school. I've got two older brothers and an older sister that were eight, 10 and 11 years older than me. So, so I got schooled on, you know, the proper seventies music very early. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, as you were going through your career is there someone that you really admire is there someone you've looked up to or is a mentor or it could be from afar or or you know in your social circle as well hmm yeah i i guess i would say well first of all you know not to sound trite but my parents you know i grew up on a farm um it was it was a, a fantastic way to grow up and and you know we started from from nothing uh, worse than nothing you know they they bought a, a farm and had a ton of of debt and and um you know the, the kids we we all helped and, and everything but you know my mom and dad worked that business together my my mom was mainly the brains and my dad was mainly the brawn and and you know so that that obviously taught me most of the lessons about business that that really stick or that really matter i think is is just grit and determination and you know, keep your head down and, and keep trying every day. So uh, that was a fantastic education. So where was the farm? The farm was in Manitoba. So we grew potatoes for for McCain food and, and uh, Nestle foods. And, and so you've probably eaten some of our French fries at some point. They, they sure. made it. The, the best French fry in the world goes to McDonald's. So, you know, it, that's that's the highest possible uh, calling for a potato is to, to get sold to McDonald's. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, speaking of food, if you had, if you could only eat one meal for us, your life, what would it be? What's, what's your favorite? Steak and potatoes sure. <laughs> with, a, with a good side of vegetables, but yeah, steak for sure. Yep. Um, when you get a day off, I think I know the answer here, but how do, what's your favorite way to spend your day off? Um, yeah, it, it, it would be golfing if, if I have no other family obligations. I've got three kids. So, um, you know, if, if they're, uh, you know, not around or, or at their mom's or whatever, then, then yeah, I would, I would say uh, 
golfing. Although I do have a boat situation I did last year and I've, I've got, uh, got it coming up again this year. So that's, that's not bad as well. You're living the Okanagan lifestyle. That's for sure. So far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what was the, the last book you read? Uh, the last, Oh, was, uh, uh, 12 rules for life. Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 What a, what a fantastic and humble man. My goodness. He's I haven't read that book yet. I want to though. Yeah. He's, he's one of my intellectual heroes. Um, yeah. I'm also a fan of Milton Friedman. He's, you know, an economics uh, yeah. guru. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, those, those are my two main, main guys. Uh, Thomas Sowell is, is fantastic as well. And so I've, I've got a few of his and yeah. Well, you might've asked the answer to my next question. What famous per person dead or alive would you love to have a cup of coffee with? Oh yeah. Milton Friedman. Not, not even close. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. He's a, he's a giant. Yeah. I'd love to chat with him. Uh, it, it, when we could travel outside of the country, it could be even here actually though, but yeah. what's your favorite place you've ever visited? Where's somewhere you're like, I'd love to go back there. Love to go back there. Yeah. Um, I think I, I spent some time in the nineties in, in Budapest and that was really interesting and eye opening and, and beautiful. Uh, it's, it's such a gorgeous city. I'd love to see how it's changed. Um, you know, in the last, how long is it since the nineties? 30, 40 years. <laughs> so yeah, I'd like to see how, how it's changed. Um, yeah, it's, just because it was so close to the falling of the Berlin wall and the whole breakup of the Soviet union, it was, it was a very fascinating experience for me to, to be there. Um, you know, fairly soon after all that happened, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and last one, and again, you probably already answered this, but outside of what you're already doing, what would be your dream job? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I would have to be driver. Crew chief isn't isn't very fun. I, I think I'd I'd be behind the wheel of a race car for sure. So yeah. Where did that come from? What did that passion for race cars? Well, I I think I've I've always I've always driven. I mean, I, ever since I can remember, I think I was put on a tractor to drive. I don't want to say anything that would get my parents in trouble, but <laughs> probably when I was nine or ten, yeah. I would think. Um, you know, and then big trucks and four wheelers and all that stuff. So I've always just loved, loved driving. And my brother has a, a big passion for cars and he has the means to, to uh, execute on it. So that's good. I live vicariously through him for, for now anyway. Um, and so we've always talked about cars and, and, and loved it. So um, yeah, that's, I guess that's where it's, where it comes from. Interesting. Well, thank you. That was great. Love to I like to get to know people sort of outside of the. Yeah, the that's fine. That, that's a good way to do it. I like it. A um, couple more questions and uh, before we wrap up is yep. you've kind of mentioned, um, you know, your last year, everyone went through, you know, either a really busy, busy year or a tough year or a little bit of both. But um, what did last year teach you from a business perspective and did it open up new opportunities for you? And, you know, cause it's always, I think a lot of time we focus on, you know, we're easy to look at the negatives, but you know, sometimes th that's where opportunities come from. So, or, or ideas or advancements. And is there anything that you can kind of pinpoint to something you can, you know, that really, that helped sort of open opportunities for you? Yeah. I think the introduction into the, uh, the medical field, uh, that's always part of where I wanted to be anyway. Um, but getting involved with that uh, COVID project really sort of catapulted me into that space. Um, um, 
just out of necessity. Hewlett Packard was very, very good at, at organizing this group of people and, and negotiating a contract with the government and, and um, I guess sort of showcasing what 3D printing could do at scale in an emergency situation. Um, I think it also taught me that we need to have a more resilient national infrastructure and supply chain for critical items. I mean, I, I love global trade. I love globalization and, and certainly different companies and different countries specialize in different things. And we should be, you know, buying things from, from the most efficient producers. But um, there are things like, like food and medicine and medical supplies and medical equipment that, you know, when the crisis hits the fan, um, you can't depend on sort of regular trading partners because they have their own domestic demands and requirements. So, um, so I, you know, I've been talking to a, a few different companies in, in the um, uh, ventilator field and, and medical equipment field. And, and so it, it's a bit of a hill to climb because there's a lot of, as you can imagine, like every medical manufacturer out there, I've, I have to get ISO certified and then get a medical device uh, manufacturing license. And, and so, uh, but that's, I'm always working on that. And, and uh, so, yeah, I think there's tremendous opportunity in the domestic market, uh, especially in medical. Yeah. Is that where the last question sort of ties into that is, you know, where's the future? Like, where, where's the vision for you, for, for your company and, and where you want to go? Um, it sounds like the medical field is one area that there's opportunity, but <laughs> is there other, um, anything sort of in the works or potential of where, you know, where you might end up in the next 12, 18, 24 months? Yeah, so um, I've, I've got three main segments to my business that, that I'm concentrating on. One is consumer goods. So I'm, I'm developing different types of products that I can sell directly to consumers. So I've got my own product lines of things coming and, and um, that's a great way for me to isolate myself from the vagaries of the industrial market and, and the manufacturing market. Um, to hopefully isolate myself from those business cycles. Um, my other area is, I mean, my primary area is industrial manufacturing, just because I have the, the scale to, to do it and, and to supply um, many types of components for, for machinery manufacturing. Uh, and then the other is medical. So um, the primary driver for me in medical right now is, is clear liners. There are very, very few companies actually doing it. I know they're everywhere, but um, most of them are in the United States, Mexico, and oddly enough in Hong Kong, apparently. Um, so if, if you're getting a clear liner right now, there's a probably 95% chance it comes from Hong Kong, the US or Mexico. Wow. So um, there's only a couple of companies in Canada that are doing it. And um, certainly at scale, there's, there's not really a lot of options out there for, for Canadian orthodontists and dentists. And so um, it's, it's a very, very steep technical mountain to climb, but um, just because of, of all the data and, and um, the certifications and everything that need to be done, but that's my primary focus uh, in the medical field right now is clear aligners. So I, I want to be the sort of de facto supplier for, for clear aligners in Canada. Made in, made in Canada aligners. Interesting, fascinating. 
Yeah. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate in between golf and in race car driving. So (laughs) (laughs) just to be clear, I don't have a race car. I have an SUV, but uh, (laughs) yeah. But that's why I work hard to uh, to get something. Yeah. Well, Colin, thank you for joining us today. I think uh, it's fascinating to hear the journey and and, and um, where you know three D printing is going in, in in the next few years. And and what I love about it is that there's actual like day to day applications. What you're saying, right? So it, you're either you know you could be yeah you're in that operation and the, the person. So you're you're actually making you know the medical. Um, I would say lives easier for people or day to day. So it's, it's fascinating where that's going. So it's, it, it's, it's part of the challenge, but it makes it fun that, that, um, you know, up to this point, it's been sort of, like you said, hobbyists and yeah, yeah. prototyping and small scale. So th- there's an education that, that we need to, uh, to push a message that we need to push that, you know, 3d printing is ready for industrial scale manufacturing. And, but, but that's, that's part of the fun is, is showing that to people. Part of that, yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling. Uh, thank you, Colin. Sorry for joining today. I really enjoyed our discussion. Yeah, me too. Love to catch up again uh, uh, down the road. For sure. I appreciate the chance to uh, to chat and get the message out. Awesome. Uh, everyone, have a great rest of your day, and thank you for tuning in to Business Matters. Thanks, Thanks Colin. guys. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation. 